Hey everyone, welcome back to the Sports Podcast. And guys, um, you guys probably heard about the uh, uh, Matthew Stafford, who looks like he will be leaving the Lions. <clears throat> there was a report today on ESPN. That the Dallas Cowboys need to at least ask the Matthew Stafford question. <sighs> With the help of NFL executives from around the league, ESPN's Jeremy Fowler puts together nine potential destinations for Matthew Stafford on Monday. The Cowboys were not among them. Now ask yourself this. Should they have been included? Coming up with a trade package, the Lions might consider, could be the most difficult part of the process. Other NFL teams might be able to promise more in terms of first-round picks or a combination of premium picks and a player or players than the Cowboys who have one first-round pick, and one second-rounder in the 2021 NFL Draft. But if a player acquisition is a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week job, as Executive Vice President Stephen Jones says, then the Cowboys have to at least look at the possibility. Here's what I know. The Cowboys want to sign Dak Prescott to a long-term deal. Prescott wants to be with the Cowboys on a long-term deal. Both sides have said so on numerous occasions, yet we are about to enter the third offseason of negotiations on a long-term solution with much more complicated circumstances in which to complete a deal. Before the 2019 season, Cowboys owner Jerry Jones thought a deal that would have paid Prescott roughly $33 million a year was imminent. Last summer, the Cowboys thought they were going to close on a deal that was worth $34.5 million a year. Twice the deals never happened. To date, there have been no talks between the Cowboys and Dak Prescott's agent, Todd France. Once the 2021 uh, uh, NFL season ended for the Cowboys, they were able to talk again after Prescott played last season on the $31.4 million franchise tag. The fact that talks have not resumed is not necessarily alarming since so much remains unknown regarding the 2021 salary cap because of the coronavirus pandemic. The franchise tag window opens on February 23rd and closes March 9th. It will cost the Cowboys at least $37.7 million to use the tag on Prescott again for 2021, which would require some manuring by the team to get that much space under the cap. If the Cowboys feel the negotiations with Todd France will be difficult once again without the promise of a long-term agreement by the mid-June deadline, ask yourself this. Shouldn't they at least explore the possibility of adding Stafford, who will not be back with the Lions? You know, if Prescott plays, here's what's going to happen. If Prescott plays the 2021 uh, season on the tag again, Rest assured, it will be his final season with the Cowboys. No doubt. I have no doubt he will leave after the 2021 season. The only other quarterback to play on successive franchise tags is Kirk Cousins with Washington when they were called the Washington Redskins. 
from 2016 to 2017. He signed a fully guaranteed deal with the Vikings in 2018 as a free agent. For the Cowboys to use the tag on Prescott for a third time, it would not it would cost them a little more than $52 million in 2022. Stafford who stared at Highland Park High School in Dallas, not far from where uh, Stephen Jones and Jerry Jones live. It's under contract through 2022 with cap figures of $20 million and $23 million. Matthew Stafford is going to turn 33 in February and has been beaten up over the years, so he does not come without risk. Stafford also has not won a playoff game, but his 74-90-1 record, a product of the the Detroit organization or his own shortcomings you know ask yourself that Stafford also has not won a playoff game but at but ask this tell yourself this ask yourself this is his 74 91 record a product of the Detroit organization or his own shortcomings you know on the other hand there is risk in keeping Prescott as well you know while there is confidence he will be the player he was before suffering a compound fracture and dislocation of his right ankle earlier in the season, his return to form is not a certainty. And if the Cowboys have Prescott on the tag or under a long-term deal, the cost again, the cap will be prohibitive in 2021 and beyond. It could make it difficult for Dallas to upgrade a roster that has missed the playoffs in three of the past four seasons. Conservatively, the Cowboys would have a difference of about $30 million in cap space over the next two years, let's say, from Stafford to Prescott if the latter signs a long-term deal. Now ask yourself this, well, what could the what could the Cowboys do with that extra money at his Add a safety, add a linebacker, add a cornerback, or add a defensive tackle. Dak Prescott is going to turn 28 years old in July. He has shown improvement. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. Dak Prescott has shown improvement each season since being drafted in the fourth round by Dallas in 2016. He was on pace for ridiculous numbers before his injury. He entered week five with 1,690 yards passing. An NFL best and the most by a Cowboys quarterback through four games in team history. But Prescott's absence after week five showed that he is the unquestioned leader of the team. And how much... the Cowboys rely on him to succeed. While a rookie quarterback might find it difficult to step into Prescott's role, a veteran such as Stafford has a resume, plus the toughness and fortitude he displayed in Detroit. That would, that would mitigate that issue. Teams prefer long-term security at quarterback. You need to understand that. Teams in the NFL prefer long-term security at quarterback. Knowing they have the guy at the position is something they that that can't be measured. But if the Cowboys know they can't get a deal done with Prescott quickly, then with two years of Stafford at combined $43 million in cash, put them in a better spot than one year of Prescott at $37 million? 
Ask yourself that. That's the question the Cowboys have to at least ask. So, Matthew Stafford, I wish him nothing. I hope he does. I hope he does play. I hope he does get another shot playing for another team. You know? Because if you give Matt... If you give Matthew Stafford talent, he's going to ball. He's a good football player. You know? And on the other hand, to Dak, I was the first person to ever say, I don't want Dak going to this team because he got hurt. And to be honest, I see the Cowboys tearing it all down and rebuilding. Dak Prescott's a great quarterback. He does. You can go back to my room because I'm going to turn on some music and start cooking. Look at how you got my... Like I was saying... Dak Prescott's a great quarterback. And sorry, that was my mom. He's a great quarterback. I just, I don't want him playing for a team that I hate. I don't like the Cowboys. You guys know that I'm a Giants fan. I just, I hope Dak makes the right decision. It's his choice. You know, I'm not going to force him. You know, I'm not his parent. But if I was Dak, I wouldn't sign. I wouldn't agree to this deal. So let's see what happens. So, guys, uh, let's talk about the Washington no-namers. Um, and guys, um, Washington, um, the Washington football team, it looks like they're not going to be, looks like Washington, they're not going to be, uh, it looks like Alex Smith won't be the uh, starting quarterback for uh, Washington for next season. So the question is who, when, and how? Of Washington's next quarterback. I have a feeling it might be Cam Newton. You know, just because Ron Rivera's the new head coach, you know, and I think even and even though that Cam is old and all, I understand he's 31 years old. Cam is still the Superman. Cam is still that MVP caliber quarterback. You know, Cam just needs I understand Cam, he doesn't have his mojo back. He can't move like he he can't move. Ever since he got, ever since he got injured, he's he hasn't been the same. I understand that, but Cam is still the Cam Newton that came into the NFL. So I think, 
if you give Cam talent, give him because don't get me wrong, Washington they got a good offensive line, they got a good receiving core, they got a good defense. You know, so I think, I think Cam Newton reuniting with Ron Rivera, that would be something special, and it could they could be a good football team. So I so I think. Cam Newton going back to going back to Ron Rivera in Washington would be that'd be a great football team. Okay, guys, let's now let's now get to the Philadelphia Eagles. So, guys, um, it looks like so. It looks like anyways. So guys, right, let's talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Um guys, ask yourself this if you're an Eagles fan. Can do you think that Carson Wentz can do you do you think or ask yourself this? Can Carson Wentz and Nick Sirianni get on the same page? Because, you know, ever since the first time I was talking about the Eagles, or my second podcast, I was saying Carson Wentz, if he wants to stay with the Eagles, he's going to have to find a head coach that he can talk to, that he can bond with. Do you really think Nick Sirianni can be that guy? Ask yourself that. Look, here's my thought. It's more than far to wonder, though. Why Wentz would, why would Wentz grant Sirianni, a first-time head coach, a greater degree of trust than he allotted to Peterson, who played quarterback in the league for a decade, helped the Eagles to three straight playoff appearances, and has been part of three Super Bowl teams as a coach and player. Wentz has not only buy into Sarani and his assistant coaches, but needs to but needs to reestablish trust with the organization as well. With Jalen Hurts still on the roster and split and split um allegiances already forming in the locker room, can he convince himself to can he convince Himself, 2021. Can he convince himself? 2021 will be anything other than a repeat of 2020, even with a new coach. Wentz was, Wentz was once on a trajectory to become a top five quarterback in the league. A host of things, from injuries to questionable management and personal decisions to spotty coaching, factored into getting him factored into him getting off track. So, too, did an issue with coachability. The ability is largely still there. Wentz might be fixable. He might, but he has to be, but he has to want to be, but he has to want to be fixed and has to, and has to allow others to help fix him. That will be the key. Either it's with Sarani and Philly or elsewhere. 
So everyone's been telling me on my podcast that Justin next to Ronnie, who is who is an ex quarterbacks coach, saying that he has the ability to contact with everybody. Look. Everyone, everyone's been saying that Nick Sarani has the ability to connect with everyone. Everyone, but you gotta understand, Nick. Ha- I understand that you are in their, you are in your mid to late thirties, and you're coaching guys that are in their early 20s and everybody's at different times in their careers has different experiences different expectations but passion is infectious when you hear him present you can't help but get excited when you hear him speak when you hear him talk about game plans things that he likes what we're trying to do how we're trying how we're trying to attack defenses you can't help but buy in because he's that type of leader. What stood out was Sarani's ability to adjust his coaching for each player. Sarani recognized Rivers' talent and resume uh, necessitated, uh, necessitated a certain approach. It would be different in 2015 when he coached a young group of wide receivers. You know, it's under... it. It, requ- it required understanding, you know. And it's not... Having the ability to connect with everyone is tough, you know. Being a coach is tough. So... I just... Do I think Sarani can't get on the same page yeah but it's gonna be tough you know i next i'm hoping nick serrani is not the same guy i'm hoping this is not i'm hoping this is not a doug doesn't i'm hoping this is not another doug peterson you know so i don't really know i just think the eagles they're gonna end up rebuilding You know, they, I don't know. Okay, guys, let's get to the Giants. And guys, oh, my God. It's from, I was, I'm shocked. I keep hearing the same report. It was reported by uh, Pat Leonard, who writes the New York Daily News. He just reported that the Giants can't get complacent at quarterback in Packer Mahomes. NFL, especially with Deshaun Watson on the market. Look it. You got to understand, Patrick Mahomes' explosive Chiefs Chiefs offense is the NFL's NFL's newest standard. A potential number of teams, upwards of 15 or 20, are candidates to pursue new starting quarterbacks. On an an increasingly star-stubbed open market this offseason to try and catch up with with Kansas City. But somehow, the Giants aren't one of them. Somehow, the Giants, with the NFL's second lowest scoring offense, the Giants 
only the Giants were only putting up 17 and a half points per game. It is all in on Daniel Jones. He threw 11 touchdown passes in 13 and a half games in his second pro season. Despite big names like Texans star Deshaun Watson possibility available. No, this can't be. Now, um, it can't be. Look, it can't be that with a chance to upgrade the quarterback position, the Giants will consider their situation closer to a class of certainty with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, Justin Herbert, Mitchell Trubisky, Jared Goff, Drew Locke, Sam Darnold. If they have an opportunity to upgrade a quarterback, they have to explore it, period. No matter what confidence they project in Jones publicly. Granted, the Giants are in a rebuild. Their roster still needs upgrades across the board. Every draft pick is an asset they are they can use to assemble a sustainably competitive roster. Daniel Jones is still on year three of his affordable rookie contract. This is also an asset that can help the Giants continue building around them, especially with the salary cap projected to drop due to financial shortfalls during the pandemic. A veteran like Aaron Rodgers, who's 37 years old, or Matthew Stafford, who's 32 years old, wouldn't fit the players or the Giants' conf- conflicting timelines anyway. You know, the Patriots, Colts, Jets, and Dolphins are some of the lead potential players with either money to spend in free agency or attractive trade packages. The Jaguars sit in the Catbirds uh, seat, waiting to draft Clemson, uh, Clemson's Trevor Lawrence for a number over for the number one overall pick. However, however. No matter how many times the Giants, Dave Gettleman, and Joe Judge say they believe in Jones, when an obviously better and still young player like Deshaun Watson, who's only 25 years old, comes available, you pick up the phone. You know? Just because you likely won't draft a quarterback at number 11 overall doesn't mean you don't close closely scout this year's NFL draft class to make sure you aren't overlooking a star if he falls. Reed Herbert, last year. When your offense can't score points, all options for improving have to be on the table. You know, obviously, we pro- obviously, we probably wouldn't know about the Giants calling the Texans, even if they did it certainly wouldn't take much for Gettleman or Judge to connect with new Texans GM Nick uh, Casario, who was a longtime colleague of Judge's in New England with the Patriots. From Watson's point of view, though, if he were willing to waive his no-trade clause to come to the Jets, who have an equally depleted roster, why wouldn't he waive it to play for the Giants? The Texans don't have to trade Watson, of course. And even if they did, the Jets, who have the number two overall pick, and the Dolphins, who have the number three overall pick, are more attractive chips than the Giants' selection at number 11. Still, Watson has leverage, and that no-trade clause, so nothing is possible. Just spitballing, but if you were the Giants, ask yourself this. If you were the Giants, take a moment and ask yourself this. If you were the Giants, would you trade Jones and two first-rounders to Houston for Watson? I would not. You know, here's why. Gettleman Gettleman could make history while he's at it. Watson would become the first black franchise quarterback in Giants history. 
Geno Smith in 2017 became the only black quarterback even to start a game for the organization. Forget even forget even Watson specifically though. The overriding point here is that the Giants' entire offensive side of the ball warrants explanation and potential overhaul right now. From coordinator Jason Garrett to Jones to the personal surrounding their quarterback. If more than half the league is actively seeking possible upgrades at quarterback, the Giants certainly qualify the Giants certainly qualified to belong in that group. You know? It is understandable that the Giants are projecting public confidence in Daniel Jones. And it wouldn't make sense to replace him. It wouldn't make sense, you know, with an equally uncertain talent since he has balanced the bad with some good in his first two years. But it is incumbent upon the Giants to explore any possibility that will make their team better, which primarily means upgrading their offense. And if everyone can agree that a third subpar season from Jones in 2021 would mean the Giants must move on. Then why wouldn't Gettleman, Judge, and the Giants be proactive to guard against starting all over from scratch in 2022? Look at the Rams, GM. Les Snead. Uh, Snead made the mistake of giving Goff's giving Goff a, luc- a lucrative four-year contract extension that starts in Goff's sixth season in 2021 so the only way Snead can move on in 2021 is trade Snead and head coach Sean McVay know it's time they know they need a better quarterback either it's this year or next year (sighs) they intend to move on but it's a cautionary tale too they're a playoff team with a strong supporting cast that isn't good enough at quarterback. They should have they should have accepted it sooner. They didn't, and now they're now they're stuck. John Mara, who's a Giants co-owner, meanwhile, said this offseason's priority would be adding pieces on offense. The offensive line still needs significant upgrades entering Gettleman's fourth year SGM. But their headlining need in their offense, offensive skill position group is their true number one receiver, following Odell Beckham's trade to Cleveland two years ago. Signing Allen Robinson from the Chicago Bears or drafting Jalen Wilder from Alabama certainly could give Daniel Jones and the Giants offense a needed shot in the arm. And maybe a year from now, Gutterman and the Giants will be saying, we told you so, on Jones after their offense explodes into the upper echelon of the NFL. Still, even if they're not giving up on Jones yet, they cannot close the door to the possibility of something better. Because as we know from watching these playoffs, playoffs better exist, and it is necessary to win the Super Bowl. And look at, I like Daniel Jones. I'm never going to disrespect him. I like him a lot. I like Deshaun Watson, you know. But, like I said, I'm not going to trade Daniel Jones for Deshaun Watson. I still think we have our franchise quarterback. Daniel Jones is a great quarterback. He just doesn't have talent around him. He, he, I think Evan Ingram, he's gone. Dropping wide open passes. We don't have a true number one receiver, you know. Our offensive line, I love, the offensive line is young. 
but it's getting better. Daniel Jones is a great quarterback. And I leave it as that. Do I think, like I said, do I think he can uh, lead us to a Super Bowl? Yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna trade Daniel Jones for Deshaun Watson. As much as I like Deshaun Watson, as much as I say on multiple occasions that he's a top five quarterback, I still believe in Daniel Jones. I still think he has, he has that in him, and I still think he can play and win us the Super Bowl. Okay, guys, I never did this before, but guys, I want to talk about my New York Yankees. As long as Mr. King, who doesn't like the Yankees, I'm gonna talk about my Yankees. I think the I think us Yankees fans are gonna have a hell of a year. So here we go. So guys, um, <clears throat> I just want to talk about the Yankees. Uh, I want to talk about the Yankees' new pitching approach, you know, because I think we're gonna have a hell of a year. Um, so the Yankees never seem to have enough starting pitching. It's why they went out and spent three hundred twenty-four million dollars on Garrett Cole a year ago. Thinking that when the money was on the table in October, not his, they would finally have the kind of ace CC Sabathia, who retired, has been for them the last time they won the World Series back in 2009. It now feels so long ago to Yan- Yankees fans, they imagined dinosaurs roaming the Bronx when their team won its last championship. The last time the Yankees did win it all, their starting rotation was Sabathia, uh, Andy P- uh, Pettitite, then A.J. Burnett, and Joe Bud Chamberlain. The only pitchers on the team to make more than nine starts. Since then, pitching hasn't been the only piece when you try to explain how the organization has gone more than a decade without getting uh, number 28. But it's been a big piece. The Astros had a be- had a better and deeper rotation when they won in 2017. And the same goes for the Red Sox in 2018. The Nationals in 2019. And the Dodgers in 2020. So this year, Yan- the, the, the Yankees are trying a novel approach with guys they think could fill out manager Aaron Boone's rotation behind Garrett Cole. They're looking at a lot of high upside pitchers. Now, who can potentially? Now, the question is, who can potentially take them to another level? The catch. Many of them didn't pitch last season, or barely pitched, you could say. It means that not only are they not running away from all the injuries they've had over the, over the couple of years, and not just to pitchers, they're practically embracing having been the MASH All Stars. The Yankees have agreed to a one-year, $11 million contract with Corey Kluber, once the ace of the Indian staff, but someone who pitched just one inning last year for the Rangers because of a torn terrace major muscle in his right shoulder. 
They just acquired Jamison Tallion, who didn't pitch in 2020 because he was recovering from his second Tommy John surgery in a trade with the uh, Pittsburgh Pirates. Luis Severino was once the ace of the New York of New York staff, and he is expected to return his season after he missed all of last season because of Tommy John surgery. The other contenders for spots in the Yankees rotation are Jordan Montgomery, a veteran of Tom Tommy John surgery himself, who had a two and three record in ten starts in the shortened 2020 season, with an with an era of five point eleven, and there and then there is. Devi Garcia, the promising kid they like to call Little Pedro, who started six games in 2020, won three games against two losses, and had a era of 4.98. The other possible contender for spot in rotation is Domingo German, who also been a promising kid before he sat out last season suspended by major league baseball for violating the joint domestic violence policy so i'm guys i'm gonna name all the pitchers that are on the yankees that are behind garrett cole who by the way was everything the yankees could have hoped for last october all the way to game five of the american league division series against the rays kluber severino talian german Kluber, one inning pitched last season. Last season, Severino, if and when he is healthy again, no innings pitched last season. Talian, no innings pitched last season. German, no innings pitched last season. Then come Montgomery and Garcia, who did pitch last season, but not particularly well, with a few notable expectations during the regular season. And when the Yankees finally gave Garcia a start against the Rays in Game 2 of the ALDS, when the Yankees had a chance to take a commanding 2-0 series lead, they allowed the kid to pitch one inning. They were a lot, there were a lot of reasons why the Yankees finally lost ALDS to the Rays. It's never just one thing. New York stopped hitting in Game 5 the way it had in one season ending um, the way it had in one season ending game after another across the past four seasons. And the pitching that actively ended another season for them was once again thrown by their closer. Adarles Chapman, a fastball that my Bruceo, whom Chapman was buzzed with a 100-mile-per-hour fastball earlier in the season, hit for an eighth-inning home run. So it's not just starting pitchers who have let the Yanks down. But the Yankees just never seem to have enough. Now they will now they will get after it behind Garrett Cole with six pitchers who combined to start 17 games last season and have four Tommy Johns among them. Call it the pitching year of living dangerously at Yankee Stadium. This may work out like gangbusters, of course. Kluber could pitch like his old self and Talion could pitch to his best which was 14 wins for the Pirates in 2018, and Severino especially could return to the form that saw him produce a 19-8 and uh, record in 2018. For now, he hasn't won a game since uh, 2019, and the game goes for Kluber, Talian, and German. Talian said the other day, I'm confident that I'm ready to go.
Townley was originally drafted in 2010, the year after the Yankees' last one series between Bryce Harper and Manny Machado. Talion now gets a chance at a second act with the Yankees. So does Kluber and Severino, and maybe even German. The Yanks, trying to become what they used to be, placed a big bet on who all these pitchers used to be. There have been a lot of pitching staffs with the Yankees. Never one quite like this. So, guys, if you're a Yankees fan, we Yankees fans are going to have a blast this year. So, yeah, guys, that's all I have for today. I hope you guys like this podcast. You know, I'm going to be uh, doing another podcast tomorrow. And, yeah, I'll see you guys tomorrow, and you guys have a good rest of your day.